Welcome to another episode of the Personal Branding for Photographers podcast. My name is Maurice Jager and I'm a photographer, speaker and the author of the book Personal Branding for Photographers. This podcast is all about learning how to improve your personal brand as a photographer. Thank you for listening today and let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of the Personal Branding for Photographers podcast. And today we are joined with Richard Wayne, who is a headshot photographer out of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So Richard, uh, introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do beyond being a headshot photographer? (laughs) Well, thanks for having me, Maurice. I appreciate it. My name is Richard Wayne. I'm a commercial headshot photographer based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I help people look awesome so they can go out and take on the world, make some money, uh, you know, get their faces out there and uh, present themselves in a confident and approachable way. This way people recognize them and they're able to build their network and, and go out and, and be successful. Wow. And is that also what you want to achieve with your work, that you help others become more successful? Or what is the goal for you to, like, why did you become a photographer? There, there are many different um, answers to that very question. Uh, we, we let me time. say this. <laughs> I, I became a photographer because uh, I'm quite the perfectionist. And an ex-girlfriend of mine had a son who was a wrestler. And we said, gee, wouldn't it be cool to have pictures of him for sentimental purposes? And so... I picked up a camera and pretty quickly I realized how poorly my work actually showed up. It it was terrible. I mean, really, really awful. Doesn't that count for everybody that starts picking up the camera? Like I can't even look at my old stuff, (laughs) both professionally and before it's like, Oh my God, like that thing is on a USB drive, like packed away, like very, very far in the back of one closet thing. And it's like not to be touched. I, I sincerely hope I never see some of those images again. Uh, my images, that is. However, what, what ended up happening was that I realized very quickly that my work sucked and I needed to figure out how to get better because I just, I don't like to fail at things. I, I don't know many people that do, but there's something in my brain that says seek perfection whenever you can. So coming from the corporate world, I knew that there were conferences and and different panels to learn from professionals who have done this and have treaded down the same path before. So I researched conferences. And through my research, I came across a video of my mentor, Peter Hurley. And it was a two-hour Google Plus platform. And I literally laughed my ass off for all of that time. He was energetic. He was magnetic. He had a personality that was larger than life. His images were gorgeous. And I said, I need to meet this man. So I found a conference that was closest to me, which was Photo Plus Expo in New York City. And I attended. And lo and behold, Peter was on the agenda. So I said, absolutely, I'm going to attend this class. And for another hour and a half, I laughed my ass off. I watched beautiful images being created. I said, that's it. This is what I want to do. I found my way to a party that Peter was co-hosting with the F-Stoppers guys. Uh, That would be Lee and Patrick from F-Stoppers. And I walked up to Peter with a drink in my hand, and he was absolutely warm and endearing. And he was fantastic. And he said, yeah, let me see your images. And I showed him whatever I had on my phone. Now, I assumed that he thought that I was already a pro, but I wasn't. (laughs) And he looked at those images, and without missing a beat, He said, man, you fucking suck. And I not only laughed, but uh, 
my my innate reaction was, well, if I suck that badly, teach me. And with that, I joined the first iteration of the Headshot Crew, which was called PH2 Pro, which I I know for a fact, because you and I have known each other for quite some time, that you joined at the same time as I. Yeah, I actually and saw with, that same video on uh, the YouTube, the Google Plus conference, where he was like messing around with the first pro board and like all of that nonsense and yes yeah yeah we met at photo plus um i don't know like four years in a row probably like this year is gonna be five if it's actually gonna happen but it's like yeah we pretty much signed up around the same time which would probably be 2013 ish so yeah it's a long time ago i feel like it was somewhere around 2012 2013 yeah yeah so long long story short is that uh since that time peter has taught me everything I know, both about being a professional photographer, about the technical side, the psychological and emotional side of photography and connecting with a subject. And so I've learned and I've grown. And so to answer your question in a very long and roundabout way, uh, what my work is really about is not just creating incredible images where people can go out and take on the world and be successful and make money for themselves and build their networks, but it's also about instilling confidence in them and, and showing them something in themselves that they've not yet seen or haven't had the opportunity to see. To watch some of my clients leave my studio with this renewed sense of self is absolutely amazing and it never gets old. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get that. Like I have the same um, experience with people, but like you and I both come from a different background. Like we didn't grow up being photographers. So what was it that, like, what did you do before for the people that don't know? And what was it that actually made you transition into a full-time professional photographer? So when I left college, um, I, I said, I, I want to go out and make money. I mean, my mother used to say from the very beginning of time that when everybody else was seeing stars, I was seeing dollars. And so with my degree in finance, I took on corporate America and I was actually a financial analyst on Wall Street. Um, I was analyzing fixed income instruments and you know those are like bonds and debt and all sorts of other interesting things. And I was doing that on a trading desk. And basically when the housing crisis took hold in about 2000, 2007, 2008, uh, I already had begun my business and it wasn't long before people were able to see that things were only going to get worse from here or from there, I should say. So over a period of time, I started to make the transition. And around 2012, I basically called it quits um, for a number of different reasons. Uh, on one hand, the firm I was working with really could not afford to keep on as much overhead as they were. In other words, analysts were not necessary because they were not what we call ticket writers. We weren't generating revenue. We were just another cog in the big wheel. We were providing um, support and assistance to uh, traders and uh, other revenue generators. So with that kind of overhead, they really couldn't sustain that kind of a business model. So many of us were laid off on the same day. And at the time, my girlfriend who lived in Pennsylvania said, why don't you come down to Pennsylvania and see if there's anything here for you? And I don't know if any of us, excuse me, any either of us 
thought that this was going to be something much bigger than it was, but I said, okay, I'll take a look. And um, basically I started to set up my shop down in Pennsylvania. So basically I started over. Even though my core clientele were New Yorkers and uh, the kind of people that I, I grew up around, I, I transitioned to a place that is innately very different from New York. And I built my business from the ground up all over again. So yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to follow up like, okay, so you started from the ground up, like talk us through the steps, like what did you do um, like to build your brand and to like get the ball rolling, if you will? Well, the first thing I did was I took to Facebook because I really didn't have an incredibly solid portfolio and I really needed to endear myself with people that were local. So I took to Facebook and using whatever network I had and whatever Facebook groups were out there, I started to make connections and I invited people to shoot with me. And once that started to happen, I started to produce work. Now, admittedly, it wasn't my finest work, but it was something to start with. And what happened was over a period of time, I started to build a reputation for myself. The next thing that I did was I started to find my way to all of the local events, whether those were local magazine releases or networking events, anywhere where there was a gathering of people that I could introduce myself to, I did. And the reason why I did it that way was because I come from an old school background of doing business where you do business with people and people don't do business with you unless they know you, they like you and they trust you. So I needed to build that trust. I needed to have a little bit of face time and I needed to shake their hand. So those events became very important to me. Other steps that I, I really focused on were building a really, really incredible portfolio and producing work and showing that work. And I think that's very important. Once I was able to show my work, I think people started to figure out that they were missing the boat on something. Remembering that, you know, headshot photography is not snap, 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 you're done, see you later. And it's not the stylized portrait sessions that you probably see in commercial magazine. Um, the truth of the matter is that I do not live in a major metropolitan area. While Lancaster does have a city, it is not a New York City or a Los Angeles or even a uh, Amsterdam. It's not that large. However, once people were able to see the work, they, they started to, to follow me. Social media became very important. And while admittedly, a lot of my following tend to be photographers, um, using social media to push out the work and show people what I'm doing became very important. And I know you and I have talked considerably about making sure I'm telling a story through my work and why it's important and how it resonates with people. So I tried my hand at that. And what I realized is that I'm really terrible at telling a story. <laughs> so that's always going to be a work in progress. Yeah. Other things I did um, were building my website. And, and I say that in the sense that Everybody knows how valuable a website actually is, but few actually leverage it to its fullest capacity. And the reason why I say that is because when I first started in photography as a profession, I figured, well, I need a website. Everybody's got one. I need one, too. And I do, did not know how to code. I'm, I'm not, I was not very technical about it. I simply needed a place to show my work. And so I found Squarespace because that's where all of the, the people I knew were hosting their website. So I, I picked up an account with Squarespace and I started to drag and drop pictures on there. And I said, wow, there I go. I've got a portfolio of images. 
congratulations. And it really wasn't as powerful as I thought. But as time went on and as I got better as a photographer, I also got better as a businessman. You know, having a background in business certainly helped, but trying to resonate with people who would ultimately become a client became even more of a priority for me. And seeing my website as more than just the site or a portfolio or a body of work was increasingly important. And so what I did was... I started to teach myself HTML and CSS, basically learning how to code my website. And as I got better and as I understood the value of customizable options on my website, I wanted to learn how to do more and more coding. And I know in the past, you have actually helped me with a couple of bits of code before I actually had a clue what I was doing. And now I'm actually pretty good at it where I've customized a great deal of features on my own website and made my website into more of a marketing tool and a branding tool than it was before. So it's not just a place to house my portfolio anymore. Now it's actually telling the story, and now it's actually resonating with my potential clients, my existing clients. It's resonating with a much wider audience than it ever has before. And in doing so, Google has certainly blessed me. Uh, you know, they, they certainly have found a way to rank me a lot higher than I otherwise would have been because I've put in the time and effort into using that platform the way it was meant to be. So what makes a powerful and resonating website for a photographer? Well, there are a number of things. I, I'm always going to come back to the sentiment that I know that Peter Hurley himself shares. I know you, you share the sentiment as well, but you have to have great images, right? Just because a client loves the images doesn't mean it makes it into your portfolio. So it's got to be a good body of work. That's first. Secondly, and this is almost as important, is you've got to tell a story. And while I, I said earlier, I'm still learning to tell that story, the words I use on my website are very, very powerful. And I know I'm not going to turn every person into a client because those words may not resonate with everybody. But the people that it does resonate with or that the words do resonate with, they're going to become a client at some point. If not now, then at some point they will. Because clearly they're finding an emotional connection with the words, with the work, with the simplicity and ease of use of the website. It's very much a, a branding and sales funnel. And so that's kind of how I leverage my website. So you mentioned personal branding a couple of times. Like, how would you describe your own personal brand? Oh, that's a good question. I, I like to be I, <laughs> I would like to believe that my brand is it's bold, sophisticated. I'd like to believe that the work and the image that I put out there broadly is meant for people that actually expect a higher level, right? I'm thinking of my brand in terms of all of the very high-end luxury brands that you do see and you know when you consider brands like Ferrari why do you consider Ferrari a high-end brand? Is it because they custom make everything? Yes. Is it because they're very expensive? Well, that could be. But largely, they've created a brand and reputation for themselves that screams high-end. And so I'd like my clients to believe that the work that they're going to get, the customer experience they're going to get is high-end. Yeah, yeah. So you're the high-end a photographer that tries to resonate with the people that you need in your studio. And they need me. Yeah. You know, whether or not they know it at this point or not, everybody needs an incredible headshot. Yeah. 
And most people aren't thinking of that, Maurice. They're, they're not thinking that a great headshot's going to do wonders for them. But as you well know, you really can't get ahead without producing an incredible picture of your face because people want to know who they're dealing with. Yeah. People want to build a connection with you before they even consider picking up a telephone or writing an email. You know, when you look at a biography page, do you really want to read this incredible list of accolades and a long resume or for the European audience, uh, what I guess you call that a CV? Uh, No, chances are the first thing they're going to look at is what do you look like? Can I build a connection with you? And so it becomes increasingly important for people to do that. And I want to, I want to produce those images for those people because it will help them and they'll be able to leverage the connections they make from it. So do you ask people that uh, you shot if the brand that you put out there matches the perception that they have before they go- get into the studio? Typically, when people schedule a session with me, I don't often know a great deal about them. Uh, what they're typically doing is going through my website, going through a booking process, and they schedule an appointment with me. So at the time of scheduling, what I really have is a name, a phone number, an email address, and of course, their deposit for their session. Uh, there are other times where I do get to to speak with them and we have a, a nice discussion about what their expectations are and what they think is going to happen and what their brand actually resonates and, and what message they're trying to send. And more often than not, I would say 99.9% of the time, everything my brand is about and everything my work is about is in line with what their brand is about and what they expect and what they're hoping to achieve. I think the the fraction of a percent that that's actually left, they're probably not my clients anyway. And I'm okay with that. And like, do you sometimes turn the table when you work with other professionals that you like really suss their brand out first and see what they're about? Absolutely. So what are you looking for when you do that? Well, The first thing I do, for instance, when I have what's called an unassisted booking, in other words, when somebody goes to my website and they schedule a session with me and I've not met them and I've not spoken with them, as I mentioned a moment ago, I only have a telephone number, an email address, and a name. And so the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to do a little research. I'm going to do some due diligence to find out who it is that has scheduled an appointment with me. And so that could mean I'm going to go to LinkedIn I might go to Google, I might go to Facebook, Twitter. I want to see what messaging they're putting out into the world. And I guess a lot of that comes down to finding common ground so that I can relate to them during a session. So yes, doing your research is equally important. It doesn't begin and end with a booking and and hear your pictures and see you later. Developing common ground and understanding what level you're playing on or or what field you're playing on for that matter. I think that is the crux of everything. That's where it all begins, right? If I can't find that common ground, it becomes increasingly difficult to be build a connection and generate incredible images. So you really like before anybody gets into the studio, like go on LinkedIn and find them. Um, Like, do people also find you on LinkedIn or is it mostly Google or like where's the majority of the people come from? The majority of my clients find me through Google. However, um, and and I'm going to give you a shameless plug, given that you and I, oh yeah, (laughs) 
since you and I have talked for years and years about messaging and, and putting yourself out there and leveraging the power of LinkedIn, I decided to take it on as a personal challenge to increase my presence on LinkedIn. And so I've gotten a great number of inquiries from LinkedIn since I've begun to implement those tactics. So your LinkedIn course was a very big help to me. Your mentorship in that respect has been a huge help to me. And it's actually increased my business because of it. So yes, LinkedIn is a very powerful tool. It's where professionals go to find like-minded individuals to build their professional networks to do business, to, to gain knowledge. Uh, if you consider what Twitter is and what Facebook is and Instagram is, they're very, very different platforms. But LinkedIn is where the professionals go. And largely, that's the clientele that I serve. Yeah. That, By the way, that that's not to say that I don't serve other segments of the population. I certainly shoot my fair share of actors and performers. I certainly shoot all sorts of different people from all different walks of life and all different professions. But the majority of my work are professionals and they're going to be on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, I have that same experience. Like the majority of my people, uh, my business actually uh, comes out of uh, LinkedIn and then some Google and then some worth of mouth and referral and corp jobs and stuff like that. So you've been running your business for uh, like quite some time now. So what would be a valuable piece of ex advice that you want to share? Well, I think the, the most valuable piece of advice that I can share uh, would be learn how to do business. And I know that's a very, very broad statement, but coming from a financial background and, and working in corporate America, what I can certainly say be unequivocally after having transitioned into what most people would consider the arts. Uh, I've never considered myself an artist. I don't think I ever will consider myself an artist. I am a businessman that makes artistic decisions on a daily basis. And I know that some people will say, well, what's the difference? Well, the difference is that I, I have a family of four. You know, I have a home. I'm sending my daughter off to college in the fall. You know, my son's going into high school. Kids are growing up. Bills mount. You know, I still run a studio. So I have to think about my business as a business. And so if you learn how to do business properly and I guess efficiently and effectively would be adequate terms here, then a lot of your day to day worries will end up going away. And while that also means uh, quite a bit of hustle, it's a, it's a lot of sweat equity that you put into a business, but pushing the button on a camera. Pushing a shutter button is only a fraction, a very, very small fraction of what we do on a daily basis. You know, I always tell uh, both clients and colleagues alike, you can teach a monkey to push a button, but you can't teach a monkey to interact with another human being, right? Not, not in the same way that we do. And you can't teach a monkey to do business, although you probably could, but I think that would be a whole different debate and conversation. But the truth of the matter is doing business the way business should be done means watching your bottom line. So you do have a mission. It also means looking after your net operating income. It means looking after your expenses. It means doing business. And I think a lot of artists typically fall down on that because they tend to think about their craft as art, right? And, and that's great that they do see themselves as artists. I just never will. But when you're considering the art, then you're not really looking at your, your business. So learn how to do business. And by business, I mean, look at your financials, look at your workflows, think about how best to protect and insulate your business. Because 
right now we are living through a time of a pandemic. I don't think the world has ever seen anything this lethal with the exception of, you know, perhaps the Spanish flu and the plague and people are hurting. And so insulating your business and and preparing yourself accordingly will set you up so that you don't necessarily have to worry so much about it. Now, yes, it's a time of worry for many. And a lot of people are struggling through uh, their business and they're trying to get back on their feet. Uh, But I can only cite myself as an example that while I was basically on the bench for three months uh, due to quarantine, I really didn't have to worry so much about things like cash flow and where the the when when and how the bills are going to get paid. Uh, that's just the nature of how I've set my business up because I had adequate cash reserves. So if you're looking out for those things and you're you're monitoring your business and your analytics accordingly, I think the rest of the the, the rigmarole or what you call what the shizzle me do. <laughs> right there it is. that that all takes care of itself yeah so what would like be a couple of things that people should be looking for from a practical point of view like how would you get into the position to not worry about all of these things so the first thing that i would say is when times are good and sometimes that could be during a pandemic and sometimes it's not during a pandemic siphon off some cash and put it into a reserve account okay and when i say a reserve account I have a couple of names for that. It could be called the reserve account. It could be called a rainy day fund. In other words, socking money away for a quote unquote rainy day. It's also called the what if shit happens fund, right? What if things go sideways? At least you've got some cash in there. Now, some people like to have more than one bank account for for that or or more than two, I should say. You have your operating account where your money goes into and you pay normal day-to-day operating expenses out of. You have a rainy day fund, also the reserve account. That's the same thing. And some people like to pay, have another account to pay their taxes with. And that's okay too. You know, I think that the more prepared you are, the better off your situation will be. So, Yes, siphon off some cash. I mean, if you don't need it, then put it into the the reserve account. When you insulate your business accordingly, I, I think that you'll feel a little bit more comfortable at night. You'll be able to sleep a little better. Now, that's not the only measure that you'll have to take, of course. You know, some people say, well, what about advertising? You know, is it worth it during this time? And the truth of the matter is that I cannot give you that answer because every business is different, every demographic is different, and every market is different. So the best thing that I can say is make sure that you're still putting your face out there. Make sure that people still know who you are because as we start to come out of this type of a situation, aka the pandemic, people will eventually go back to work. And that also means they're going to need what we do. And if they need us, then we need to be prepared for that income. So keep Keep putting yourself out there. Again, people do business with people that they know, like, and trust. So those are a couple of tips. But yeah. I think my my biggest my biggest recommendation, my strongest recommendation is to learn how to do business. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest place that people fall down is when they jump into a craft because they think, Well, I like the arts, I like photography, I'm just gonna go out and make pictures. And that's amazing. I love that people want to go out and make pictures. It's, it's always fun to see some of the images that are produced. But yeah. the minute you start collecting money for that craft, you are no longer doing 
just the the art. You're not just creating art. You're also running a business and you're generating an income off of it. So what is the purpose behind that income? What is it that you're trying to achieve? If you're doing it just as a hobby, well, then go ahead and make beautiful images. But if you're really and truly running a business and you're truly making an income from that in order to support yourself and your family, then you have to think about it like a business. Yeah, and I think like a lot of photographers who start and even like maybe hobbyists or hobbyists transferring into professional, there's like a lot of people that like, oh my gosh, you made a grant, let me dump 500 on a new lens or like God knows what, what people do. Like I was in that position and at some point I just like started asking myself the question, do I actually need it and does this actually make me money? And when the answer was no, I just kept stocking that money and now my rainy day account is a year long of expenses. So whatever happens, I have like, I don't have to shoot for a year and be fine. So that was my goal. And that was something that I wanted to set up because that's going to like give me that, um, uh, like, um, like do give me like freedom to do whatever I want. Like I don't necessarily need to shoot every day. Like I enjoy shooting, but I'm not stressed out about it. So I can actually have fun while working. Yeah. I think that you, you and I've had these discussions in the past and I said, you know, Maurice, I really was thinking about this new piece of equipment. And I think at the time it was a tripod, right? And your answer, your, your question to me was, Rich, do you need it? I said, technically, no. He said, then why buy it? And, and, and I, I don't know why I just referred to you in the third person. I'm sorry. I can be schizophrenic. So that just another person <laughs> got to, felt like approached and talked to, uh, talk to. So, yeah, well, right. I'm fine. So you, you said to me, well, do you need it? And, and I said, no, not really. And so then why buy it? And, and you were 100% right because it's a basic premise of business. If you don't need something and you can still operate and you can still make money, then why buy it? So then it comes down to a question of do you need it? Or do you want it? If you want it, now you're playing in a different ballgame. Can you, can you afford it? But if you need it, then it becomes a necessary operating expense. Now, that could be a capital expenditure. In other words, a piece of equipment that um, you absolutely need to buy for your business. So it may not be considered a natural operating expense, but it is a capital expense. And so, yes, Buy it if you absolutely need it. But if you only want it, for instance, recently, I think it was, I don't know, just under a year ago anyway, I, I really, really, really wanted this tripod. And I've wanted it for years. Did I need it? No. But I had an incredible couple of months at that time. And I said, you know what? Congratulations, Rich. You're buying yourself a little present for working as hard as you did. So I bought myself the tripod. I bought myself a new ball head to go with it. And that was my little pat on my back for myself. Could I afford it? Yes. Did I want it? Yes. Did I need it? No. So reinvesting in your business is always a, a positive step. And then that always beckons the question, when should you you know, refresh your gear? When should you buy new or refurbish or, or whatever have you? And the answer will always come down to the same two questions. Do you need to or do you just want to? And so I, I think and asking yourself those questions will be a very, very uh, telling and, and powerful, um, I guess, indictment for your business. It's whether or not you need it or want it. Yeah. And like, I think we're talking about the same tripod because I have the same one. And for me, it was a necessity because all the other tripods, I pretty much took to war, no casualties. Like I killed all of them. And it's like, <laughs> like 
like these things like they were like shot and like gone so at some point like i needed something that could last me a little longer so i figured i'll spend the money and like drop like i don't know like 700 on the tripod and another 300 on the ball head or something to that liking and like that turned into an investment because i have that thing since 20 17 i think so it's been with me for three years and before that i was like messing up tripods every six months so it's yeah at some point it it makes sense at some point it 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 makes sense oh definitely it it definitely is the same tripod because you and i have talked about this and Honestly, it was a smart decision for a number of different reasons for me. On one hand, while I have many clients coming to my studio, I also go on location and and work with corporations and offices and larger groups. And so I'm always looking to find a way to make my life a little easier. I do not employ anybody in my business. I'm a one-man operation. For some reason, I kind of prefer it that way. Um, That may or may not be the smartest decision for everybody, but it is the way I operate my business. And as such, I'm also the chief gear lugger. In other words, I carry my gear by myself. And so if I can make my operation a little bit lighter and a little bit less wear and tear on my body, I'm all too happy to do it. And having the other tripod that I had, no, that was heavy. It was a heavy tripod. Uh, You know, I think it was aluminum alloy or something like that. But comparatively, the new tripod that I use now, carbon fiber is significantly lighter, and that's a lot less wear and tear for me. You know, I, I always come back to the fact that I'm not getting any younger, and my body cannot do what it used to do when I was 18. So I would like to make my life a little bit easier if I can. So if I can still produce the incredible images I am known for, and I can produce at a high level and save my body in the process, I'm very happy to do so. Awesome. And for those who are listening and like are curious about what tripod it is, it's a Faisal. It's a C3, CT3472LV. Um, full disclosure, I'm, I'm, I am a Faisal ambassador, but if you want to check it out, like please go ahead and look at it. It's awesome. Um, so you've been in business for a while. You just like mentioned all the advice. Like, Is there something that you're still struggling with at this day and age? As, as you and I have talked about many a time, one of the biggest things that I actually still struggle with, well, th- there are a couple of things. The first thing is, always tweaking my brand messaging and and telling stories. I don't think we're ever actually done doing that. I think that's always going to be a work in progress. I think as time goes on, I get better at it. But that doesn't mean by any stretch of the imagination that I'm an expert in it, nor do I try to be one. I just try to make progress. So telling the stories, finding a way to resonate with both potential and current clients that's always going to be at the forefront and one of my focuses. Other things, given the fact that I live in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, as I said, it's not a metropolitan area, but you know, it's growing. I mean, it, the county alone has more than half a million people, but it's very spread out. It's not strictly in the city. Yeah. One of my struggles has always been, and it has become less of a struggle as time goes on, but It's always a work in progress. Always a work in progress is meeting as many people as I can and increasing brand awareness. And I think that no matter where you are, even if you're in the middle of New York City, right, which is, as you're very well aware, Maurice, it's a huge place with tons and tons of people and also tons and tons of businesses. And competition. True. Very true. 
But what that ultimately equates to is the fact that if you're a business operating in New York City, there's probably a very, very good chance that people don't know who you are. It's like a very, very large degree of anonymity. Yeah, it's like in my there's so many sorry, people. There's so many people, and like there's like people don't even know the, their neighbor's name because everybody's like so like tied into their own community, if you will. And it's like just like trying to tap into other people's communities and relationships and all of that stuff is what like kind of spreads the message right and does, exactly and it doesn't really matter if you have a community of like i'm in like a, a city in the netherlands with 150 160,000 people and i have people come in from like all over the country and pretty much all over europe but like i don't know these people i don't know their communities but they know me like i don't know one handshake away or two handshakes away and that's all based on the like building connections and relationships. Absolutely. I mean, like I say, you know, it's always a work in progress trying to reach as many people as you possibly can. And some of that comes down to social media because as we know, the internet has made the world a lot smaller. But it's also coming down to looking somebody in the eyes, shaking their hands, you know, smiling, having a few laughs, sharing something in common and building a network that way. That may seem very old school to a lot of people, but it still works and it always has worked. So that's something I really do focus on is building my network and building my, my brand in that way and getting the word out. When I first came down to Lancaster, Pennsylvania from New York, what I thought was going on was that I thought everybody was kind of cliquish. In other words, if you weren't from here, you were considered the outsider and they could tell very easily. And so they wouldn't really give you the time of day. At least that's what I thought at the time. As time has gone on, and we're talking years later, what I've discovered is that I just need to know the right people to introduce me to the other right people. And so I've actively sought to get myself out there and in front of those people. And sometimes that means sending a blind email or a cold email. Sometimes that means sending a cold uh, Facebook message or Instagram message, or simply picking up the phone and making an introduction, whatever it takes. It's really a question of building relationships. You're never going to pick up the phone, ask for a sale, and somebody say, yeah, let's let's just do business. It just doesn't work that way. Now, I'm not saying that will not or cannot ever happen, but largely, for the most part, it's not going to happen so uh, frequently. I think the best course of action is to build a relationship with somebody else and plant the seed. You're playing a long game, right? You're looking at the longevity of your business. You want to be in business for a long time to come. And to do that, you can't just be a, a transactional type of business, even though even though that's the exact kind of business I'm in, where somebody's going to come to my studio, they're going to have their images taken, they're going to pay me, they're going to leave. That's very transactional. But if I'm building a relationship with them over a period of time, now I've got a friendship with them. Now they're part of my network. And so they're going to offer me referrals or I'm going to offer them referrals because sometimes the best thing to do is serve others in order to be served. And and I say sometimes, but really that's that's just a, a good principle to adhere to anyway. You do want to serve others because looking out for somebody else is the best way to help yourself. There's an old adage, and it was something that worked while I was working in New York City for many years is that, ev and, and here's a great tip, and I hope that your, your audience would, would appreciate this and actually implement it. Get Get cards, like note cards 
or, or you can buy them like customized or whatever, even a handwritten letter and, and write out a birthday card for every client. Now that also means you have to know when their birthday is, but you have to get creative on how you get that. Sometimes you can just ask them in conversation. And sometimes, you know, it's just a, another line item on a, a model release, whatever it takes. Make note of the birthday. And then as the birthday comes up, you write a personalized, handwritten birthday card. Does it take time? Not not much. If you write them all out for the month, stick a note on it and says mail on this day, then you're all set to go. But when you are thinking about somebody else, they'll be thinking about you. So make sure that you think about other people. You know, serve others. They will serve you just fine too. Wow. That's powerful. Um so what does success mean to you? When are you successful? Well, let's see. If I, I think there's there's a great deal of, of of things that I want to accomplish in life. I think there are a lot of things that, that would equate to success. But success is not just a monetary thing for me. Financial security is, okay, in other words, can I support my family? That's a big deal. Uh, can I see that my kids walk out of school without any sort of debt? That's very big for me. That was something that my parents blessed me with, and I hope to do the same for my kids. Uh, is my family happy? Are they healthy? Okay. Am I still doing what I absolutely love on a daily basis? That's success to me. You know, family, health, friends, you know, my, my dear friends, my, my closest relatives, that, that all means the world to me. Sure, I want to have you know, a degree of, of financial security. Okay. I don't want to have to worry about where the next meal is coming. And I don't want to have to worry about whether or not I have enough money in my account to pay my rent for my studio or, or something like that. But I certainly don't need to worry about things like becoming a millionaire. I really don't, um, you know, for a number of different reasons, money is not everything. I mean, they, there's that old, uh, that old argument about, you know, money doesn't make the world go around, but it certainly makes life a little easier. Okay. You know, it's sure it's it's nice to be a millionaire, Maurice. It really is. I just don't expect it. No argument there. I, you know, I, I don't I don't want to be in debt. I don't want to leave my kids with debt, but I want to leave them with lessons and a life that is better than I ever had it. Let's put it that way. Wow. Okay. So do you have goals? Uh, that you are still like that are on your list. Like if I talk to you in like, I don't know, three years, five years, like where do you want to be? Retired? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I, I don't really want to retire. I love what I do. Um, if I, if my body ever gets to the point that I simply cannot do it anymore, then I will gracefully bow out. But right now I'm having a great time. So I, I don't anticipate retiring anytime soon. Where will I be in three to five years? Well, first and foremost, I certainly hope to still be doing what I'm doing. You know, I, I love serving my clients. I love providing that incredibly high-end experience. And I love making incredible images of people. So that's that's always a goal, just to stay there. But more importantly is that I, I want to keep learning. I, I never really stop learning and I, something I actually enjoy. I like to keep getting better at the things that I'm already doing. I like to make my weaknesses into strengths and I like to double down on my strengths. More importantly than that, I have a couple of initiatives in my back pocket that I've not yet been able to really kick off. Um, I'm not really going to disclose them, but I think you know at least one of them. Um, what I mean by that is I, I want to build out uh, a, a couple of these initiatives. The issues that I have currently is simply that my plate's awfully full. And then when I sit down to actually make that happen, 
I find myself distracted. Now, these are my weaknesses, which I hope to change. So hopefully in about three to five years, we'll see a a whole different segment. But really what it amounts to is building out additional arms to my existing business. Wow. So when everybody that's listening wants to like be informed about all the extra arms that you're going to magically grow on your business body, um, where do you want people to go? What's the best way to find you online? Okay, the best way to find me online is on my website, which is www.richardwayne.com. That's Richard, W-A-I-N-E.com. I'm also on Instagram at Richard Wayne. Again, that's Richard, W-A-I-N-E. Uh, I occasionally use Twitter, and that's at Richard underscore Wayne. And, of course, you can find me on Facebook, and that's pretty easy to find, too. So those are probably going to be the main places to find me, uh, but hopefully you'll share with your audience when you know about it, because chances are you're going to know about it before most others, uh, But and hopefully you'll share. But we'll see how that all shakes out in three to five years one step at a time for now i'm having a great time making incredible images for people and serving them the best way i can and uh yeah let's see what the future holds I'm, i'm kind of excited for it i know that we're in the middle of a pandemic and it's not an easy time for people but uh i'm still excited i i i kind of look at it as there, there's something positive to be had down the road. And uh, I'm just going to grab onto that and leave the negative stuff behind. All right. And I'll put all the links in the show notes and at LinkedIn, since you forgot to mention that one. Um, so thank yeah, you. Okay. So I'm on LinkedIn too. You can find <laughs> me there. I'm at Richard Wayne. Um, I'm pretty easy to find there. Yes. Thank you, Maurice. Yeah. LinkedIn. Yeah, yes. obviously. So thank obviously. you so much for uh, spending I don't know, almost an hour with us uh, and sharing your knowledge and expertise and your experience uh, with us. Uh, really appreciate it. It's my pleasure, Maurice. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being able to share a little bit of uh, knowledge and how my business and my mentality work with your audience. So thank you. And that's it for today. But before we part ways, let me invite you to my personal branding for photographers community on Facebook. The group has already around 700 photographers who want to learn everything about improving their personal brand. Make sure to add yourself by going to mauricejager.com forward slash Facebook or subscribe to my podcast on your preferred platform. Thank you for listening and I'll see you on Facebook or you'll hear from me in the next episode. Enjoy your day. Talk soon. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,